So I had a bit of a different message this morning, but uh, I went to Melbourne yesterday. Uh, I got invited down to speak at a uh, uh, Indian congregation down there to a sort of a men's breakfast, and uh, uh, I, uh, I went down there and I just thought, oh, I've got to preach this in our church, you know, uh, because uh, the thing is, I really believe it's important that we know that all churches are different and they all have a similar mandate. You know, the mandate on the church is Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching them to obey the things that I've taught you. That's what Jesus said. That's the overarching mandate. Uh, But, you know, uh, God calls different people different individuals for different things and he calls different churches uh you know to to with a specific message even sometimes and a and a dna that's given by god and i thought i should uh you know just teach a little bit about this um you know we've got uh, new people coming in and it's really marvelous uh, to, to have that happening and uh, every now and again it's good to come back and to revisit things that are important to you you know because there are values there's things that God's given us that we value you know like God gave us these stables we value them uh, but the the building is just a building and uh, you know the building can be here today gone tomorrow that's a reality But uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about, 2 verse 20, it talks about how the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And he's actually building us together as a holy habitation. So God's doing something very special in this city builders community. And uh, he's not only doing it, he's doing something special in many different places. it, it just really depends whether the church is real and going to be really dedicated to Jesus and be real with, with Jesus and be real with one another. You know, sometimes in Christian circles you can have people that are not very real with one another, sort of a lot of plastic. We never want this to be like that. We want it to be real, authentic, genuine, reaching out to God, um, doing our best, giving it our best shot, loving people and realising that we all need a saviour and that's the bottom line. You know, uh, we need to be here hearing messages like this because it brings us back to what's important. Jesus Oh, sorry, the Apostle Paul, he said, don't forsake the gathering together uh, as is the manner of some, especially as you see the day coming. Well, we're living in some kind of day and, and I think it's important to be in church, but it is important to be with the right people. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the prophetic dimension this morning. I've titled the message, God's Prophetic People. Because I believe that God has called us to be a prophetic people. Like um, uh, we will do a whole lot of things. We'll reach out to people. We will preach the gospel. We'll disciple believers. We will baptize people just like it said. We'll teach them to obey what Jesus said. Uh, But I think this word prophetic is important. Because God wants us to be his prophetic people. And you know, if you, if you are new and someone says, well, what is, I've heard stuff about the City Builders Church, tell me about it. You can say this, it really is a prophetic church. It really is a prophetic church. And do you know what I believe? That every church is meant to be prophetic. If you look at Revelation chapter 9, it says the testimony, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So our church 
more than anything needs a strong testimony of how Jesus has changed our lives and how Jesus is the answer for the future. You know, the answer, I really believe in the nations, I really believe that we are right at the very beginning of the greatest awakening that the globe has ever seen, that history will ever record. And it's going to come out of this that there are all sorts of problems besetting the globe uh, that are causing all sorts of tensions that are making people everywhere ask the question, who is Jesus? Like you wouldn't want to be in the Ukraine right now. And I know someone whose family is in the Ukraine. And she was in America at a big, big meeting. I just saw the, her uh, testimony on Facebook where she was in a big, big meeting in America. And the, the preacher pointed to her and said, your family is 6,000 miles away, but don't worry, God has got them covered there. And she was blown away because her family are ex exactly, what was it, 6,000 miles or kilometres or whatever it was. This is the incredible God that we serve. And this is where, you know, Jesus is alive. Uh, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is there, but he's also here, moving in our midst. And I hope to a reasonable degree that he's speaking through the words that you hear. And he certainly has been through the worship that you've participated in this morning. But I wanted to talk about being a prophetic people because... You know, my DNA as a pastor is, I would refer to myself as a prophetic son. Uh, I have a spiritual father who's mentored me, one of the most outstanding apostolic leaders on the globe, a nation changer who has discipled me in this move for 25 years. We're not a denomination. I'm ordained by the full gospel churches of Australia. Uh, I've got friends in every denomination and brothers and sisters, but there's this prophetic call that is over us. And God wants this church to be a prophetic church. And he wants every church to be that. But I feel there's a call here that needs to be answered and that needs to be understood. You know, one of the things is the last two years has shaken the foundations of the nations. And it's shaken the foundation of people's lives. And this shaking is not really going to go away, I think. Uh, we, are entering, we have entered into a season of uncertainty, and I believe while there are very human reasons for that, that God has allowed this. Because he wants the nations back. And he's even allowed the church to be shaken because he wants the church back. And he's even maybe allowed you to be a little bit shaken yourself because he wants you back. God's a loving father who wants a relationship with his sons and daughters. We've heard about the idea of the great reset. Have you heard that? It's very real. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's absolutely what it is. And that is what the world wants, or certain elements of the leadership in different places. But God wants something, and God wants to reset the church. Because, you know, it's funny, have you ever been working on an old desktop and it's just not doing what it should, and you smack it on the side and that doesn't work, and you smack it again, and, and then you... Pair off and pair on. You reset. And sometimes, for some strange reason, that works. I don't completely understand. But I really believe that God is resetting the church. The church is being reset. And, we're, and what it's doing, you know, I believe while the church is going to move forward more powerfully than ever in the future, that God is resetting it to the original settings, to the way it was in the upper room. That is the birthplace of the church where God 
supernaturally downloaded from heaven into the church the pattern for the future. These are the apostolic patterns to the future. So the church is being reset. And we must come, continue to come back to those original apostolic and prophetic patterns. So I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. Sorry, 10. According to the grace, this is Paul talking to the church, and he describes himself as a builder. He says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let everyone take heed than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. There is that word, day, capital D. And we are in a certain sort of a day. And a, a lot of churches... A lot of families, a lot of businesses, a lot of people have been shaken. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, it says, For once more I will shake the heavens and the earth. God allows this. But God is calling us, his church, back to the original pattern. We must come back and at the same time be able to move forwards. So say, come back but move forward. So the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, I press toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there is a call upward, forward, but it starts by coming back to the original patterns. The prophetic word that has been given must be the foundation for the future. Now, listen to this. There is no other foundation. Remember this, our young people there, all our young guys? There's no other foundation you can build your life on but the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. So we can't do it our way. We've got to keep coming back to him. So we need to always remember that. Maybe so I can give you a little bit of a context. I shared a little bit about this story yesterday. But the prophetic word, the prophetic word is such an important thing for, for the future. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 13 is, is known as the love chapter. You know, uh, Paul, who was a pretty straight down the line leader, says you can have all this revelation, but if you haven't got love, you're just a big noise. We've always got to remember that. Love is critical to us being effective in the city. But in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul brings context because love alone will not set people free, but love with truth will. And in 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, pursue love. What's it say? Pursue, say it again, pursue so it's sort of something you've got to pursue. You, you know, we need to, in the church, pursue the atmosphere of real honour and respect and care. That's what it means. It's the love of God. It's where people really begin to, you know, in this sense of a marriage, a marriage will work if a couple will lay their life down for one another. This is the love that the church is built on. Paul said, husbands, lay your uh, lives down for your wives as Christ loved the church. That is, that is the foundational attitude on which life needs to be built. It is the foundational attitude on which the church needs to be built. And even if you did that and you couldn't really say what God was saying so much, but the world sees you living like that, that is the testimony of Jesus in the house. How good is that? So we want to be real. 
We'll never have clicks in this church. Never. Because God's calling us further together. You know, we might not know some people in the church so well. You don't have to. But there is this love, care and respect that is there. This, this commonness that we are all called here to live a life of sacrifice in the city and for one another to demonstrate the kingdom. This is so powerful. You know, and it's so good if people would say there's something really different about the city builders people, despite what you've read in the press. Because we're a bit famous, because we've stood up for some things. Maybe didn't always do it that smart, I don't know. But I would prefer to go down, I'd prefer my kids to write books about me where I actually stood up for something that counted, rather than was just someone who went with the crowd. We need to be a prophetic church. But in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. I think it's very good because it doesn't put healing first. It doesn't put miracles first, although they're great. I love miracles, like when miracles happen. It was funny, we had a healing thing here about a month ago and... Uh, a whole lot of people got COVID in the next week. <laughs> but you got healed. She got healed of a, you know, something that was going on in, in her neck there where God healed it. And others did. But you know, the, the, the big thing is not miracles. I tell you what, if you build your life around miracles, you're going to be disappointed. Because miracles, I believe, are like God's calling card where God just drops one on you every now and again and you think, that was God. But they're not always an everyday, you know, thing where we walk out in the street and we have six people walk out of a wheelchair before the afternoon. It just sort of, if you build your life that way, you're going to have some wins and failures. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But here the Apostle Paul says, pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. Now, I'll tell you where that gift comes from. It comes from God because God has given gifts to the church and he gives gifts to every believers. But the gift of prophecy is very special because it comes out of the place of intimacy with Jesus. It comes out of that place. So God wants us all, if you like, to grow in the prophetic. You know, this subject of the prophetic is so big to me because I've been mentored by one of the best, Dr. Jonathan David. But one of the things I would say about the prophetic, it's like a pathway. You start at A and you are going to B and God is going to take you from A to B. So if you can imagine up there, I... I would have had the whiteboard organised if I had thought of it. But if you can imagine like this, when we come into the kingdom and into the house of God, we are at A. Yeah. Point A. Just imagine on that, that uh, big white screen there, that being A. And over here is B, which is our destiny. That's our prophetic yes. destiny. And God is going to take us from A to B. And I, I understand this because God taught me this through my life. And, uh, you know, a strange thing happened to me for our visitors. A lot of strange things have happened to me over my life, actually. But one of the most extraordinary ones was when I left the church, when God moved us out of the church in Albury. And it was a church like this. It was such a cool church. Great people, like, like really good. I was... Just the most amazing church, amazing pastors. And we were going to go there and be there for life, weren't we? We would have been happy. We loved it. But then God began to stir me and say, you're moving out. And I was, I was about two and a half years in the Lord, and the Lord started to say, this, this is not where you're staying. I'm going to move you out from here. And he even started to speak to me about the timeline very clearly and it got confirmed 
And I always wanted it to be like this. I'll go to my pastors and I'll say, look, God's calling me out of here. And they will go, I believe you're right, and release us and say, off you go. But they were good pastors. They really loved Lynn and myself. And they said, no way you're going. <laughs> what are you talking about? And I, I can imagine I've done this. You know, because when people really come into your church that just love the Lord and want to help and enthusiastic, you just want them to be there for the long haul. And you can see a future together, but God absolutely took us out. And I still prayed that God would confirm this, um, you know, call through the leadership, but it didn't happen, not the way I thought anyway. But what happened the night before we left that town? You know, every time I'd pray, I'd pray and I'd see stoplights and I'd see a green light. Every time I'd listen to my leaders because I respected them and the Bible says do that. But every time I would pray, I'd see a green light. Go. I'd come back to Lynn. She would agree. And then the night before, I had this most awesome dream. Like a dream, I was just a new Christian. And I dreamt that I was coming into a city or a region or something and I was coming into a town and there was a signboard. And on the bottom was a coded message which led Lynn and myself right to the date of our appointment eight years before, eight years later. Imagine that, God pinpointed, God showed us so clearly the exact time. Do you know what? This comes out of loving God and wanting to know God and pleasing God because God is not up there, not interested in your life. He is talking to you about your future. So the top of it had the year 1914. That's why that flag is there. Someone, when this chair, the church was opened, a family whose, whose grandfather stormed onto the first landing at Gallipoli was a survivor at Gallipoli and somebody, uh, and at, all the survivors were given that flag at the end. It's a knitted British flag. And when we came into the church, they said, this flag belongs here. So I think there's something about our call in that flag that God wants us to be like a people who fight for the destiny of our nation. It's part of our DNA. It's, we're just not a club. We're all in this together. I know someone said that, but I actually mean that. We're, we're in this together. <laughs> Sorry, politics after 12. We're all in this together. But the point is, is that God is very faithful because he will give you signposts about your future. And as we follow God, as we follow God as obediently as we can, we are going on a prophetic journey. See, we need to be a prophetic people. The scripture says the prophetic, uh, actually, yes, it's 2 Peter 1.9. And it says we have the prophetic word made more sure. It's very important. The prophetic dimension is very important. And, and uh, Peter said this in uh, 2 Peter 1.9, and we have the prophetic word, you're all happy now. <laughs> and we have the prophetic word made more sure, and we do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. Say that, a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises. So when God puts something on the inside of you, if it really is God, it's a matter of time and that will become a reality and that is like the beginning of a new day. So God's taught me this stuff. How does a prophetic word come to people? Well, it's very interesting how this happened because if you go back to Matthew 16... Spider coming down there. He's gone now. <laughs> so in, in Matthew chapter 16, 
It's a really interesting flow of events because in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus is talking to Peter. He's in the region of Caesarea Philippi and he says to him, who do men say that I am? You know the story. You know the story. Some say you are Elijah, John the Baptist. I keep forgetting the name. I I normally add a few extra prophets in there. (laughs) But who do you say that I am? And this is important for all our young people, that you really know the answer to this question. If someone said to you, who is Jesus? That is the most important question you've got to answer in your life because if you don't get that one right you don't get the rest of it right so in Matthew 16 this happens and and Jesus says well done Peter flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven revealed it to you it's prophetic that's the prophetic This is how we're meant to live, in this realm of revelation where our relationship with God in heaven is not just flesh and blood, it's just not academic, it's just not theological, but it's real. And it's revelatory. So you need to flow in that. Every day. So, so Peter got it right, didn't he? This was a revelation. But then, that wasn't enough. So what Jesus did, it says in Matthew 17, that after six days, he took him to the mountain and he was transfigured there. Peter, James and John were the closest to Jesus and Jesus takes them up to the mountain and it's like his humanness was put off before them And they saw who Jesus really was. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd love an encounter like that this year. Where God just did something like that. Maybe it could happen if we ask God. You see what's happening here? See, we can't know unless God reveals. We can know church. We can have knowledge but we need this revelation. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, this is the end result. It's the end result. And Peter says this, and we have the prophetic word made more sure, which we do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises. Now, I just felt this this morning. Sometimes we're in a dark space. Can you relate? People are in a dark place in the world. It's not easy. You know, some people are just cruising. Some people are making a fortune during this time. Other people have lost everything and uh, living out of their car. But the point is, is that sometimes you go through a dark space. But if God's given you the prophetic word, don't you worry. You do well to heed it because it's going to rise on the inside of you when the time is right. And we keep talking about this building, you know, that that, uh, when I was 29, God gave me a real vision of this building. And that took us 33 years. So through this, why did it take 33 years? I don't know. But the thing is, God shows you things, and if you just follow faithfully, you know, when you're going through the good times, the good times are great. I love good times, but then there is the bad times, the challenging times, where everything seems really super challenging, but that is when God is doing the deepest work in you. And this happens to us all. This is called process. I want to encourage you, don't, what's the word? Don't pull back from God during those times. Don't hide in your room. 
Your room is never meant to be your tomb. God wants to bring you out into a better space. Is this helping? So let's talk a little bit more about this prophetic thing because it's very important. In the Old Testament, this is the way prophets used to operate in the Old Testament. In Amos chapter 3, 7, it says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals it, unless he speaks to his servants the prophets. It's an Old Testament concept. So the only way people could really be sure that God was speaking was it had to come through a prophet. That was Old Testament pattern. And, you know, God called men, he anointed them, and he spoke through them. But the New Testament's different. The New Testament is different, thank God. Uh, You know, prophets are still important, they really are. But we all need to be prophetic. In other words, it's in this space in our relationship where we continually walk with God in a way that we say to God, God, what are you wanting me to know? What are you wanting me to say? Where are you wanting me to go? You know, this is the way that we need to live our lives. This is New Testament prophecy. Because, see, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was in the temple and the presence of God was in the heavens. But in the New Testament, do you know where the presence of God is? Still in the heavens, still in the temple, but right alive on the inside of you. So you are not called to be just academic or emotional or, you know, intellectual or, uh, you know, whatever you are, you are called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as I learn to walk with God, the Spirit of God on the inside of me speaks to me. This is revolutionary thinking, but it's a key to breakthrough thinking. This is how it's meant to work. And we tend, because of the culture that we are in, to live from the outside in. In other words, all the information that's coming, all the media, all the cultural norms that are coming now, all the changes, and we're all struggling to go, what is God really saying? But on the inside of us, the Bible says, the Spirit bears witness. That's where you need to follow. You know, have you heard the gut feeling? It really works. Because it's the Spirit on the inside of us which directs us. And especially when we are genuinely born again and we're genuinely given to Jesus as the captain of our lives we can really know what God is saying to us. It's not always so clear that we just, wow, you know, we just know God said it all the time. But we can walk with God in this realm. So New Testament's like this. And I think this is something we've got to be careful of in the time. I spoke about this yesterday. I've noticed that, you know, when I was an immature Christian, I always looked for a prophet. I looked for a prophet, someone who would validate what I was thinking and validate me. So it was sort of like when the prophetic minister would come to church, I'd be going, this head, this one, come and put your hand on here, you know. I think there's a real uh, problem with that because you can go onto the internet today and you can have the prophet this, the prophet that, and they are all got an opinion, and they all know, you know, and, oh, man, I tell you, there's some radical stuff out there. You know, someone, one prophet said, you know, claims to be a prophet, yeah, Prince Charles going to knock off his mother, and he's going to ascend to the throne, and be very careful. This is nuts. This is really, really bad. going to be in ministry, you've got to have a wife that will be honest with you and look after you. But do you know what I mean? So be careful what you're listening to. Just be careful. 
Now, if the Queen passes on by the end of the year, you're going to be really thinking, aren't you? Look, this is really dangerous because you don't see prophets prophesy like that. And I really believe that God puts people in an area and he makes them responsible for that area. And we need to be responsible for what's happening here in Gippsland. We need to hear what God is saying in the stables here for us and for the city. Yes. It's practical. So, so, you know, there are so many voices in this season, so many opinions, and they're not bad people, but boy, let's keep ourselves on the frequency of heaven. Yes. Is that okay? Yeah. So don't go looking for prophets, because a good prophet, if you get a good prophet, you're in for a good time, but if you're in for a bad prophet, if you get a bad prophet, they can prophesy you right out. Yeah. Now... This is what you've got to do. You've got to listen to God on the inside. This is Bible. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So, so you know, when this whole thing started two years ago, I was getting that many videos from all over the place. And after a while, I felt really low and burdened. And I just cut it off. Just cut it off and come back to God because God's got a plan and it involves you and you and me and us together. And it involves the future. God's got an amazing future. God's going to do some great things. There'll be some crazy things going on in the world, but I think we just need to be careful and make sure we're listening to the right thing. Let's talk about the future, just for a minute, and we won't be too much longer. The future. Just want to be really practical and help you. To be a prophetic people, number one, we need a relationship with the Word. We need a relationship with the Word. The Word's written. That's the Logos. But according to the word, the word is living and powerful. So it's learning to have this relationship where God speaks to us through the word every day. Is this good? I mean, I mean, if you have a relationship with the word, according to the word, you will bear fruit. If we abide in the word, we bear fruit. So it's like I need my own relationship with the word. So in the old days, you know, back when we started, we used to bring these big super Bibles to church. They were, oof. If you're going to be a Bible basher, I mean, you could be dangerous with these Bibles. They're this thick, sometimes that. I remember going down to Frankston to do a street outreach once, and there was this lady came on the team, and she had this Bible, like, like honestly, terrifying. If you're going out in the street, you don't do that. <laughs> I remember there was a guy came to church once and he didn't bring his Bible and Renee said, hey, Andy, where's your Bible? He goes, oh, sorry. Just drops in a bit occasionally. And next time he came, he bought this massive family Bible, like one of these great big things. <laughs> but we need a relationship with the Word. So these days, in this generation, technology, but we need to have a relationship with the living word. Number two, we need to be able to receive the word that God's speaking to us, about us, about our city, about our life, about our marriage, our children. The Bible keeps talking about the seed. This is Matthew chapter 13. It talks about the parable of the sower. And this is how we can prevail in difficult times if God's word is coming to us personally. So we need to be able to receive the prophetic word, the word that God has for us. Number three, 
The seed must become a life of its own on the inside. When the word of God comes onto the inside, it's coming to live on the inside of us. The Bible calls it the incorruptible seed. It says we are born again of an incorruptible seed. So, so if you look at this, according to Matthew chapter 13, that the word is a seed, right? To really be, a, you know, a Christian means that we have received the word of faith into our life and now it's become a seed and it is living on the inside. It's very powerful. Because that seed just did not come into our life so we could just go to church and be good Christians. You know, when that seed came into your life, it's producing another life. And the best way that I could sp explain this is when a woman feels, falls pregnant, the seed is planted on the inside and it becomes another life. But literally, it's like that to be really born again, to be a Christian, is the seed has come from heaven. It's come from the Word of God, and it's come on the inside, and we go, I believe. And that is like supernatural conception. That is what it means to be born again. And I tell you, when it happens, your faith is no longer academic. It's no longer emotional. It's no longer religious. It's real. It's real. And that's why some other people think that you are nuts. I remember, you know, when I was born again, I just got so enthusiastic. I used to get, this is funny, I used to get loaded up with Dutch courage and preach in the Wodonga Hotel. <laughs> Very unwise. I wouldn't recommend it for our young people, all right? But I got so enthusiastic about faith because I'd received seed on inside of my heart. This is what it means to be born again in the truest sense. God does not want us just to be emotional, intellectual, but this faith is on the inside of our heart. The word is daba. It's a Greek word and it means the latent power within the word to bring the word to fulfillment. There's miracle stuff in the word of God. There's life in the Word of God. It's living. It's powerful. You know, my future is on track because God put a seed in me and I'm going to follow the seed. I'm not going to get sidetracked into another better idea because that's not the idea that God gave me. He's actually put a pattern on the inside. It's a life. It's a DNA. The seed will produce prophetic sons and daughters. Now, this is good if you understand this. And we'll talk some more about this as the year goes by. But the seed will produce prophetic sons and daughters. In Joel chapter 2, 28, it says, In the last days, in the latter days, whenever that is, that was certainly on the day of Pentecost, and we could talk about it being now. So this is the latter days as far as the Bible is concerned. And the latter days could be in a thousand years if we're still here. But this is what it says. In the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and my sons and daughters will prophesy. This means we're going to speak good stuff to the world. We're going to have answers to the world. I don't think that means we go into the government and go, thus says the Lord. It doesn't mean that. It means we'll have real answers. This is what it means to be a prophetic people. While the world is going down, a prophetic people will be going the other way. They will have the answer. This is true. This is true. It's fantastic. Man, you know, Joseph was a prophetic person. Daniel was a prophetic person. Read the book of Daniel because the nation was going down. Morally, spiritually, every way, there was murderous intent in the nation and Joseph arrives as a prophetic person. Is that good? That's what we're meant to be like. 
It's like we have a wisdom about our lives. It's like we have an insight about our lives. We are worthwhile leaders in the community. We have the patterns for better marriages and better businesses, better families. Why? Because we are prophetic people. We're not following the, the destructive trends. We're following the good ideas. But the destructive trends and the trajectory of the nation is going that way. But prophetic people go, no, God wants us to go this way. He's got a better idea for your marriage. Man, some of the ideas that people are coming up with around the world now, you think, how could that be so? It's because they've been pulled another way. But this is where I want to talk to you and I want to say to you, I want to say to you, you are a very valuable person. You're a very valuable person. You're a prophetic person. Maybe you need some training and development around that. Some mentoring, some coaching, some help, some resources, and you're going to do just great. I'm in love with the future that God has given us because he's put a seed in there. <coughs> and that seed is going to produce a, a, an, a, a tree with an abundance of good fruit. And one of the fruits of the prophetic company is there will be extraordinary leaders. Because that's what Daniel was. You happy? How good's this? So we don't have to go and prophesy that the queen's going to fall off a perch to make a, a name for ourselves. I suggest we don't do that. I mean, she's 99, so you know it's going to be soon. I mean, this is how these guys make a living. Come on. Let's prophesy good stuff. The doctor says, hey, you're going you're to have this condition for life, and you go, I'm going to prophesy something different over that person. You're going to live long. You are going to finish your assignment. You are going to, you know, this is, how, this is good prophecy. And it comes out of here, out of the abundance. Really, really good. I wish somebody had taught me this when I was a young person. Because we're called to be prophetic people. Prophetic people have a spirit of excellence about them. They're good in the workplace. They're good people to have on your team. They're as loyal as anything. They're full of wisdom and common sense. And they have a connection to heaven that solves problems on the earth. That's a spirit of excellence. That's a prophetic people. Now, once again, I just want to thank God that you are here. I really do. I want to thank God that you are here. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to go for a walk down here and just say hi to everyone. Because God's made you for a purpose. And it's not just to come and sit in the back row of the church, Stefan. No, sorry. It's my friend, Stefan. He's a, what a good man he is. You know, we've sat in churches and we've listened to all sorts of rot come from preachers. You know, all sorts of rot. And that's why the world's in the mess that it is. But when you realise that you were called to be a prophetic person, it'll be amazing what happens. What do you think of this, Joel? Love it? See, Joel, he grew up in this church from when he was about 15, and he's a prophetic son. This guy's never done a day's handy life in his handiwork in his life until he said, I'm going to make this happen. Prophetic son. Now, the prophetic son over here, this is Michael Rell, Amazon bestseller. Not, not, in just, not in just one category. He got how many different categories?
I'm not really into titles, Pastor Brian, but it's international bestseller. It was 16 <laughs> categories. International. Serious. Now, now, look, I, I, I wrote a book on leadership that went on Amazon. Mine's got one star, right? That's better than nothing. Michael's has got five. It, it's seriously an international bestseller. You, you said you were not into titles. Where'd you get the title from? It may have come from you. <laughs> was leadership upgrade. See, God wants to upgrade us all. I reckon little churches like this, they're the ones that are going to turn the nation around. I reckon it. It's always been the little blokes. David. By the way... excellence in the house it's good what do you reckon about this yeah I, I love it um, ever since I walked into this place I felt uh, there was something calling me higher that upward call so still finding that in the process and um, yeah just loving it I really love these guys uh, really, really do. You know, when they first came to us, uh, marriage was over. And God just rebuilt this marriage and you were just the best. And it's funny because, you know, God gave them a second daughter and she's just the most beautiful little thing, Coco. She's full on, I'll tell you. Anyhow, I thought, why, why? Just have a rest, you know. Next thing, they've got another one on the way. They go to the doctor, have an ultrasound, and there's two of them. <laughs> what did you say when you saw two of them? I was speechless. <laughs> you said. I was laughing. <laughs> they just laughed. God's got only good things for us. Anyway, we thank God. I like this church. I reckon you guys are the best. I don't think God wants you to be ordinary people that just go to church and sit in well-organised rows and don't change anything. We're here to be like Joseph, prophetic people, carry the spirit of excellence.